Hello, welcome to our Tuesday program on June 8th, 2021. I put in a link in there in case you want to put comments when you are on uh, Facebook. This will give you the link in order to put comments on the program. So we are here going through part three of A Wander in the Spirit Lamb land part three is called the kingdom of hell we're on chapter 21 the fires of hell and i put this part one this chapter 21 is long so i might break this up into three separate shows so i'll go through some pages in this one now and then we will follow on in later tuesdays so please leave comments if you if you have questions even if they're off track i always try to answer these questions in fact i'm thinking of creating a uh, another live stream later on where I can do more live questions from people. Now, again, this book is the spirit Francesco who died in the uh, late 19th century. He was a very educated person, but not the best of pure spirit. So therefore he went down in the lower zone and then his beautiful love of his life, who he, who he just met, and he was just torn because he was, he was taken away from her, helped him, helped him make his character better. And he rose into the spirit world through lots of trials and tribulations. If you go back and look at my earlier episodes of this book, and now he's actually part of a team that is going to help other people who are in what he calls hell, what spiritism calls the dark abyss. Now, the dark abyss, according to spiritism, starts at the crust of the earth and goes down, if you want to look at that in a, in a uh, geometrical you know, relationship, ge a geographical relationship also. And, of course, the lower zone, uh, which is starts at the crust of the earth, goes up to the lowest level of heaven. That's what they call it in spiritism. And also, I want to make sure and that there is no eternal punishment. People may think they're eternally punished. That's part of their correction for the wrongdoing, but there is not. Once you change your character and your attitude, you will be helped. Now, this is a, a prime example of, of a spirit, Francesco, who is part of a team to go down and help a person who is starting to think, you know, I don't like it here very much. I don't want to be in this horrible place. Now, why did that person go in the horrible place in the beginning? Well, because of the law of affinity, where like goes to like. So if you're a nice person, kind and gentle, you don't have to be a saint, but you go where other nice, kind, gentle are. And it's probably in one of the lower levels of heaven. If you are a very materialistic person and you, you are very selfish in your life, you probably go somewhere in the lower zone where there are other people like you. If you are a real criminal and you, you harm people and you cheat people and you treat people like dirt only for your own, own benefit, then you probably go down into the dark abyss or as Francesca calls hell, she'd call it purgatory since it's, it's temporary. So that's where we're at. And, so, and of course, I will take this book and I will show what he says and how that's that how spiritism which was codified by Alan Kardec in the 1850s. Let me bring that up.
from 1,019 questions to spirits. And what he did is he went through and he asked different mediums the same questions and didn't use the answers unless they were the same or similar. So therefore, he really talked to all. Now, he, he had um, been commissioned this work by the Spirit of Truth as promised by Jesus in the New Testament. So again, this is what Spiritism calls the third revelation. The first being Moses, bringing down the Ten Commandments. The second is Jesus, the New Testament. And the third is Alan Kardec, the Spirit's book, and his other books. Well, Spiritism wants you to know, though, is they don't believe in a complete static reading. Spirits have told Alan Kardec that the Bible, the Old and New Testament, the passages that are full of love, charity, and fraternity are eternal. But many other passages are, are those communicated to the humans at the time on the planet according to their culture and level of technology. So a lot of cruel things you've seen in the Bible, things that we think is wrong now, had to be done because those people would, could not have comprehended or would have rejected any other type of message. So it could only be according. So the spirit world doesn't revolutionize they, have, they help people think for themselves. They try to give people evolutionary steps. So that's why, you know, when people say, well, the Bible is all full of these terrible things. Oh, yes, but that's, you know, there's, you know, when they say go into this town and kill everybody. Well, that's what people understood back then. They wanted to teach them to start taking direct orders from the spirit world. They had to learn to do that. As it became more mature, Jesus came and said, okay, now we need to enter love. Might does not make right. These were foreign concepts 2,000 years ago. Socrates was killed 2,000, what, 400 years ago because he said might doesn't make right. That did not compute with people. But as we go and we mature, of course, the spirit world, guidance, guidance, you know, above and above, that's what happens. Okay, let's get into this then. This is chapter 21. The fires of hell. Away before me stretched a narrow path, and curious to see where it would lead, I followed it, sure that it would somehow lead me to those whom I could help. So he was in this, he, first in chapter 20, he was in this city, and he went and he talked to the emperor of the city, and the emperor wanted to destroy him if he could, right, make him a slave. He escaped, and he was taken up into a different area. To, but it, there, before he escaped, there was this one person that he could tell who did not like the atmosphere of that place. And he knew that he was there to help him. But then he was taken away because, you know, they were chasing him. They, and, they, and they also told him, don't eat or drink anything. Because, you know, Francesco is not a high spirit yet. He's still, he's still not in the levels of heaven. He's probably up in the higher levels of the lower zone. And he's learning and he's... He's, you know, he's doing a great job, but he doesn't have that complete wall of faith and fortitude to, you know, go after these, you know, very, like the emperor on the city in hell, very dominant uh, spirits. Okay. <clears throat> after following it for a short time, I came to the foot of a range of black mountains, and before me was the entrance to a huge cavern. Horrible reptiles were hanging onto the walls and crawling at my feet. Great funguses and monstrous air plants of an oozy, slimy kind hung in festoons like ragged shrouds 
from the roof, and a dark pool of stagnant water almost covered the floor. I thought of turning away from the spot, but a voice seemed to bid me to go on, so I entered. Of course, now this is how the spirit world works. They send these wonderful people, like Francesco, who's doing you know volunteer work of extreme difficulty, and they they're in touch with them constantly, right? They they could be a billion miles away if you look at it physically, and still be completely in touch with them. Because remember, the speed of light is not a speed limit in the spirit world. It's a speed of thought. So someone's going to, the team leader, and probably someone above the team leader, is going to be watching him and helping him go on. And they can see everything he's doing. It's just like here on Earth. The spirit world can, can tell, is constantly, we send out messages of where we are, what we're thinking, and they know they know everything. So I entered, and skirting around the edge of the dark pool, found myself the entrance to a small dark passage in the rocks. Down this I went, and turning a corner, saw before me a red light, as if from a fire. Well, dark forms like goblins pass, and repass it between it and myself. In another moment, I stood at the end of the passage. Before me was a gigantic dungeon-like vault its uneven rocky roof half revealed and half hidden by the masses of lurid smoke and flames which arose from an enormous fire blazing in the middle of the cavern <coughs> excuse me well around it were dancing just a troop of demons as might well typify the devils of hell with shrieks and yells of laughter they were prodding at the fire with long black spears and dancing and flinging themselves about in the wildest fashion. While in a corner were huddled together a dozen or so miserable dark spirits towards whom they made frantic rushes from time to time, as if about to seize and hurl them in the fire, always retreating again with yells and howls of rage. I soon perceived that I was invisible to these beings. So taking courage from that fact, then why was he invisible? Uh, so, as you rise in the spirit world, now forget our physical world, we're almost all matter, very low in energy. When you're down in this low levels of, of purgatory, you are pretty high level of matter compared to high ratio of matter compared to energy. As you go higher and higher, your ratio of energy to matter, right? Your higher, you get lower and, and actually higher and higher. Higher and higher of energy to matter. These people were very low in the ratio of energy, energy to matter. So these people could not see the less dense, the more etheric spirits from high above. He could, if he wanted to, concentrate on himself and tell them, okay, make myself denser so these people can see me. And that's why a lot of people in NDEs they will have spirits around them and they'll think, well, you know, if, especially if they went down into the lower zone and then like these spirits came at them and then like ran away. That's because a uh, higher spirit made themselves visible to those lower spirits, but to the person who had a near death experience, they still could not see them because they're even denser than the lower spirits. To my horror, I discovered the fire was composed of the bodies of living men and women who writhed and twisted in the flames and were tossed about by the spheres of those awful demons. I was so appalled by this discovery that I cried out to know if this was a real scene or some horrible illusion of this dreadful place. And the same deep, mysterious voice that had often spoken to me in my wanderings 
answered me now son they are the living souls who in their earthly lives doomed hundreds of their fellow men to die this dreadful death and knew no pity no remorse in doing so their own cruelties have kindled these fierce flames of passion and hate in the breast of many of their victims and in the spirit world these fiery germs have grown till they are now a fierce flame to consume the oppressors these fires are fed slowly by the fierce cruelties of those they now consume there is not here one pang of anguish which has not been suffered a hundredfold more in the persons of these spirits many helpless victims so think about this for a second these people's helpless victims so they have done that to other people they burned other people to death now they are experiencing that so this is this is part of the process of our in our earth right now a planet of atonement where we pay for our past wrongs so the process is reincarnation reincarnation is is the moving forward and then karma right karma helps determine the path reincarnation is the engine karma is like the steering wheel like okay you're going to go this road well these people have done that before they're going to go down the path of having that happen to them so they reincarnated they had some trials and tribulations they probably didn't learn or they actually were worse after they were incarnated on earth and then they died and now they are here being unfortunately tortured by the flames we carry on from this fire these spirits will come forth touched by a pity born of their own sufferings for those they have wronged in the past see they're going to, they're going to feel oh, this might have been the people in the past this was horrible i'll never do that again so this is this is you know they're not being punished you could say they are but they're really being educated the spirit world doesn't punish people to inflict pain for no reason it's being done to say okay this is what you've done this is why you should never worry about saying oh, that guy got away with murder or you know that person stole and you know they've done horrible things or that dictator of north korea you know he's just going to go scot-free and live a great life well no no this is all waiting you know these things are all waiting these people feel sorry for them be happy you're not in their place for those they wrong in the past and then will be extended to them the hand of help and the means of progression through deeds of mercy as many and as great have been their merciless deeds in the past do not shudder nor marvel that such retribution as this is allowed to be the souls of these spirits were so hard so cruel that only sufferings felt by themselves could make them pity others ever since they left the earth life they have been only intent upon making others more helpless suffer till the bitter hatred they have aroused has become at last a torrent which has engulfed themselves furthermore know that these flames are not truly material although to your eyes and to theirs they appear so for in the spirit world that which is mental is likewise objective and fierce hatred or burning passion does indeed seem a living fire you shall now follow one of these spirits and see for yourself what seems to you cruel injustice yet is mercy in disguise behold these passions are burning themselves out and souls are about to pass into the darkness of the plain beyond 
This is all learning experience. Boy, it's a painful learning experience. It's a horrible learning experience, but it is a learning experience. Now, and when he says he, this is, seems to be objective to yours, to you, but it's not really flames. It's the, it's the mental image of flames. And this is what we have to understand. And this is what spirits tell us in the, in the writings from the spiritist mediums, is that the earth is objective, meaning that I'm solid, I feel myself solid, I can't think I'm not solid and be not solid. No, no, I, I am who I am. I can't put my hand through the wall because the wall doesn't correspond to what I want, right? But when you are in the spirit world, we go from the objective to the subjective where I can't put my hand through the wall because I, I want to. I wish it. I desire it. I order it. I can change my look. I can become invisible. I can become have long hair. I can look, I can become green. I can look like a man, a woman, a child. If I wish, because it is subjective, it follows what I want. Now, many people say, well, in heaven, you create your own heaven. And there's some truth to that, but you have to think of yourself as one of many, and there are higher spirits, and they have ideas of what the level of heaven you're at, and you're with other people who have a fixed idea of the level of heaven you're at, and then all these thoughts come through you, and you're inundated with these thoughts, and therefore it seems normal to you that you accept, you accept the world that these people, other people accept, and then probably higher spirits created. Now, when you get higher and you really want to create your own world, you probably can do that. But it's, it's you know, you have your own thoughts. You can change, make your own house and kind of live within the parameters of this sandbox of what you're giving it, given to. You can't change the sandbox yet because you're really not powerful enough. But then they say after, after this levels of heaven, it goes from the objective to the subjective to the sublime and there's something even above that okay as the voice ceased the flames died down and all was darkness save for a faint bluish light like phosphorus that filled the cavern and by it i saw the forms of the spirits rise from the ashes of the fire and pass out of the cavern as i followed them one became separated from the others and passing on before me went into the streets of a city that was near it seemed to me like one of the old Spanish cities of the West Indies or South America. There were Indians passing along the streets and mingling with Spaniards and men of several nations. Following the spirit through several streets, we came to a large building which seemed to be a monastery of the order of Jesuits, who had helped colonize the country and forced upon the unhappy natives the Roman Catholic religion. In the days when religious persecution was thought by most creeds to be a proof of religious zeal. And then, while I stood watching the spirit, I saw pass before me a panorama of his life. Now, think of this. So he, Francesco, can look at this spirit, walk by, and he can read his thoughts and know his beginning, his presence, and, and, and then probably something with more more training, you can look at some of his future. Spirits can do that to us. High spirits can see large parts of our future from the beginning, you know, you know, maybe lives before. 
Now, these foggy spirits hanging around on the lower zone or, you know, not as high, they're more immature spirits, but they can still see us. They can still see us. They can still read our thoughts and know who we are and know where we are spiritually and know what, what motivates us. It's, it's good and bad because bad spirits or ignorant or playful spirits who want to do you harm can impress upon you things like, oh, that's a great idea to go steal that watch or whatever. So that's why you have to learn to filter out everything with your conscience. Okay, so he's looking at this guy and he says, I saw him first chief of his order sitting as a judge before whom were brought many poor Indians and heretics. And I saw him condemning them by the hundreds to torture and flames because they would not become converts to his teaching. That's probably when he was in some South American country. I saw him oppressing all who were not powerful enough to resist him and extorting jewels and gold in enormous quantities as tribute to him and to his order. Nice guy. And if any thought to resist him and his demands, he had them arrested and almost without even the pretense of a trial, thrown into dungeons and tortured and burned. I read in his heart a perfect thirst for wealth and power and an actual love for beholding the sufferings of his victims. And I knew, and I knew, reading as I seemed to do his innermost soul, that his religion was but a cloak, a convenient name under which to extort the gold he loved and gratify his love of power. How many people are like that? Not just, not just the old Spanish Inquisition. Again, I'll carry on. Again, I saw the great square, marketplace of the city, with hundreds of great fires blazing all around. It was like a furnace. And a whole helpless crowd of timid, gentle natives were bound hand and foot and thrown into the flames. And their cries of agonies went up to heaven as this cruel man and his vile accomplices chanted their false prayers and held aloft the sacred cross, which is desecrated by their unholy hands, their horrible lives of cruelty and vice, and their greed for gold. I saw that this horror was perpetrated in the name of the Church of Christ, of him whose teaching were of love and charity, who came to teach that God was perfect love. And I saw this man who called himself Christ's minister, yet had no thought of pity for one of these unhappy victims. He thought alone of how the spectacle would strike terror to the hearts of other Indian tribes and make them bring him more gold to satisfy his greedy lust. Now, let me stop there for a second. So when people tell me, and, you know, quite rightly so, he says, well, religions hurt and killed more people than anything, right? Well, first of all, it hasn't. Governments have hurt and killed, especially governments in the 20th century. Fascism, communism have killed much more. Stalin and Mao killed tens of millions. But again, the Catholic Church did their, their did their part, and for because of people like this. And that's when I when I say when people always say, well, you know, we can just have this form of government, everything would be good. Well, no. The Catholic Church, when it first started with Jesus, the church was full of the greatest people, and they were just nice. But then it became more and more infected. It became more powerful. And when there's power, people like this person wants to grab some of that power and wealth, and they will corrupt that institution. Just like they'll corrupt any type of government, no matter what type of government you think is best. That's why the least government really is the best for us on this earth at this moment, because we are so imperfect. And the more power you give to people, the more that people who aren't nice and who are greedy and selfish will want to be in positions of that power and take what they want for themselves.
So therefore, this shows you that, yes, the church became corrupted, governments became corrupted, and here's a prime example of someone who was just a horrible person and just wanted to scare the natives, get more wealth, and just trampled over anyone he could, he could find. In the, in the book, Memoirs of a Suicide, it's a great book. Please buy that book, Memoirs of a Suicide by Yvonne Piera. Camilo Bronco was a uh, well-known writer. They, they called him the Balzac of Portugal. I think he committed suicide in 1899. I could be wrong about that. But when he went to this kind of hospital for suicides, he was put in this chair and he, was, he said, let's go through your past lives and see why you committed suicide. Well, he committed suicide because he had syphilis and then it finally caught up to him. You know, back in those days, it wasn't curable. And he went blind and he couldn't stand being blind, so he shot himself. So why did he go blind? Well, then he went back more lives and found out that he also was a member of the Spanish Inquisition and he tortured and he blinded a person and he blinded a man because he wanted to seduce his wife. So he got the man, man out of the way by falsely accusing him. And then when his, he told the guy's wife, said, okay, I can let him go, but you have to, you have to be with me. And then she did. She goes, well, you let him go? And then, no, no. And so he kept with her until he got bored with her. And he said, okay, I'll let him go. But he said, but I didn't say I let him go whole. So when he, when, before he let him go, he, he burned out his eyes with red hot poker. So this, so of course, now look, look at his punishment was just to go blind from syphilis. Pretty light punishment for what he did to this guy. So think about that. So <clears throat> your trials and tribulations, if you go through a really tough trial and tribulation, like just really just knock you for a loop, I would say most probably that you've had trials and tribulation trying to teach you something before that were much lighter, but you ignored it. And therefore, what happens when your child or something ignores a very nice lesson or a nice, like, like I don't think you should do that. And then they do it again. They do it again. Well, the punishment rises to the level where they'll finally pay attention. The same thing with us. So think about that. Okay. Uh, then I beheld this man. I'm reading again. Then I beheld this man returned to his own land of Spain and reveling in his ill-gotten wealth, a powerful, wealthy prince of the church, venerated by the poor, ignorant populace as a holy man who had gone forth into the Western world beyond the seas to plant the banner of his church and preach the blessed gospel of love and peace. While instead, his path had been marked in fire and blood, and then my sympathy for him was gone. Then I saw this man upon his deathbed, and I saw monks and priests chanting mass for a soul that it might go to heaven. And instead I saw drawn down to hell by the change woven into his wicked life. I saw the great hordes of his former victims awaiting him there, drawn down in their turn by their thirst for revenge, their hunger for power to avenge their sufferings, and the sufferings of those most dear to them. So it's so sad. And that's a lot of spiritual like that, where they want to get revenge. and. Don't be like that because now these spirits are down in the lower zone. They're just thinking about revenge all the time and they're wasting their own time. The spirit world will take care of this guy. They'll make sure he learns. That's their job. You don't have to, 
you don't have to deliver justice. That's done by people much smarter than, than we are. I, I'll carry on. I saw this man in hell surrounded by those he had wronged and haunted by the empty, empty wraith of such as were too good and pure to come to this place of horror or to wish for vengeance on a murderer. This I had seen in the frozen land with the man in the icy cage. And in hell, the only thought of that spirit was rage because his power on earth was no more. His only idea is how he might join with others in hell as cruel as himself and thus still oppress and torture. If he could have doomed his victims to death a second time, he would have done it. In his heart, there was neither pity nor remorse, only anger that he was so powerless. Had he possessed one feeling of sorrow or one thought of kindness for another, it would have helped him and created a wall between himself and these vengeful spirits. And his suffering, so they might be great, would not have at last assumed the physical aspect in which I had beheld them. As it was, his passion of cruelty was so great, it fed and fanned into fresh life the spiritual flames, which theirs created. Though last, when I saw him first, they were dying out, exhausted by their own violence. These demons I had beheld were the last and most fierce of his victims, in whom the desire for revenge was even then not fully satisfied, while those I had beheld crouching in the corner were some who, no longer desirous of tormenting him, tormenting him themselves, had yet been unable to withdraw themselves from beholding his sufferings and those of his accomplices. So, this guy is bad. We would, you know, many people call him evil, and we don't like to use the word evil because really evil is the absence of good. Now, even this person will become good someday. It may take a thousand years. It may take a long time. But he will recognize that someday. And that's why when you see someone you think is not a good person, that is important to, uh, to think about that. So, so that is, is, is kind of where he is at right, at right now. He's, he's watching this and he's, he's like, this is not easy. Okay, I'll carry on. Well, let me uh, just I'm gonna put a comment. Well, I'll do that. Okay, let me carry on. And now I beheld the spirit with the newly awakened thought of repentance, returning to the city to warn others of his Jesuit fraternity and try to turn them from the path of his own errors. He had, did not yet realize the length of time that elapsed since he had left the earth life nor that this city was the spiritual counterpart of the one he lived in on earth. In time, I was told he would be sent back to earth to work as a spirit in helping to teach mortals the pity and mercy had not shown in his own life. But first, he'd have to work here in this dark place, striving to release the souls of those who, whom his crimes had dragged down with him. Thus, I left the man at the door of that building, which was the counterpart of his earthly house, and passed on myself through the city. So see, the spirit world takes care of these things. Spirit world is like, okay, now, if you've done that before, now your job is to help and show what you had done wrong in the first place and not let others do what you had done. It's all educational. It's, and it's, it's all, everything is for one goal. When people ask, well, why is this world so cruel and chaotic? It's all for one goal. 
is to make us all better people and make us pure spirits one day. They go, yeah, but, but you know, why does it have to be so chaotic and, and, and equitable? And then my other answer is, okay, it's one word or maybe two words, but with a hyphen, free will is God doesn't say, and Jesus doesn't say, okay, you have to be good or, and I'm going to change your mind or I'm going to just beat the heck out of you if you're not good. No, we have to decide to be good. We have to decide to be honorable. We have to decide to be charitable, fraternal, fraternal and selfless and want to service others. That has to become within us. We can't have rules outside because then you just adhere to the rule, rules. You don't change your character and your attitude. You're just thinking yourself like, okay, I'll just do what I'm told, otherwise I get punished. No, that's not what the spirit world wants. They want you to do good for its own sake, for it's the enjoyment of doing good. And, and there's been studies done that when people who help others, they're much happier, less stressed, they live longer, life is better for them. Whereas taking advantage of others has the opposite effect. Okay, I'll carry on. Like a Roman city, this one was disfigured and its beauties blotted out by the crimes of which it had been the silent witness. And to me, the air seemed full of dark phantom forms, wailing and weeping and dragging after them their heavy chains. The whole place seemed built upon living graves and shrouded in a dark red mist of blood and tears. It was like one vast prison house whose walls were built of deeds of violence and robbery and oppression. oppression. As I wandered on, I had a waking dream and saw the city as it had been on earth, ere the white man had set his foot upon its soil. I saw a peaceful primitive people living upon fruits and grains and leading their simple lives in an innocence akin to that of childhood, worshiping the great supreme under a name of their own, yet nonetheless worshiping him in spirit and in truth. Their simple faith and their patient virtues, the outcome of the inspiration given to them from that great spirit, who is universal and belongs to no creeds, no churches. Then I saw white men come thirsting for gold and greedy to grasp the goods of others. And these simple people welcomed them like brothers and in their innocence showed them the treasures they had gathered from the earth, gold and silver and jewels. Then I saw the treachery which marked the path of the white men, how they plundered and killed the simple natives, how they tortured and made slaves of them, forcing them, forcing them to labor in the mines till they died by thousands. How all faith, all promises were broken by the white man till the peaceful, happy country was filled with tears and blood. So I want to say, well, how could the spirit world allow these, you know, innocent people to, to be used and tortured by these, you know, this cruel race of, of people? Well, a reaction is a reaction. These nice natives may have been cruel people of the Spanish Empire earlier, the Roman Empire, the Persian Empire, the Chinese Empire that enslaved people, took advantage of people. Then they were incarnated into some place, let's say in South America, that was Spain under colonies, living a good life. And then all of a sudden these people came and just ruined them. Well, they had done that to others before. There's, there's nothing, nothing happens without a reason. It's sad, you know, so why can't they just let them become innocent and, and, you know, into this pristine environment? Well, another good question. And that is because 
the spirit world wants us to be morally advanced, right? Which you can do without technology, but they also want us to be technologically advanced. So this is kind of how, and I talk about this in my book, how we are guided. Um, and this is, this is, is we are guided to, to become morally and technologically advanced. Now it doesn't happen in concert, right? Because the spirits have said we're in our most dangerous phase right now as we're, as we're getting to become a planet of, of re, a regeneration versus a planet of atonement. Is we are like at the, at the, uh, the, the height of materialism where you know, science knows everything and there's no such thing as God. There's no such thing as the spirit world. And if you believe in that, you're an idiot. Well. That will reverse. That will, people will start to understand. Like, no, these things happen. You can't explain it. Science doesn't know everything. I have faith, not not based on just what I'm told, but on my own observation, because that's what spiritism wants. They don't want you to have blind faith. They want you to say, in your own experiences, like maybe your aunt Edna had this vision and told you some of your future, and now it's come true. Like, okay, how could Aunt Edna know that? I've had people say. They were on a road and they were told, slow down, there's going to be a deer ahead. They slowed down and a deer bounced in front of their truck. So the, then people start saying, oh, okay, there's something going on here that's not explainable. And that's what, you know, you need to look at you with your own eyes, your own ears. To so as Jesus said, we have eyes to see and ears to hear. You'll understand me. And that's what, that's what is hopefully happening to most of you. Then I beheld, I'll start again. Then I beheld far away in Spain a few good, true, kindly men whose souls were pure and who believed that they alone had the true faith by which only man can be saved and live eternally, who thought that God had given this light to but one small spot of his earth and had left all the rest in darkness and error, had left countless thousands to perish because this light had been denied to them, but given exclusively to that one small spot of earth. That small section of his people. I thought that these good and pure men were so sorry for those who they thought were in the darkness and air of a false religion, that they set forth and crossed that unknown ocean to that strange faraway land to carry over them their system of religion and to give it to those poor simple people whose lives had been so good and gentle and spiritual under their own faith, their own beliefs. I saw these good but ignorant priests land on this strange shore and beheld them working everywhere amongst the natives spreading their own belief and crushing out and destroying all traces of a primitive faith as worthy as respect of, as their own. These priests were kind, good men who sought to alleviate the physical lot of the poor, oppressed natives, even while they labored for their spiritual welfare also. And on every side, they're spreading up missions, churches, and schools. Then I beheld great numbers of men, priests, as well as many others, come over from Spain, eager not for the good of the church, nor to spread the truths of their religion, but only greedy for the gold of this new land and for all that could minister to their own gratification. Men whose lives had disgraced them in their own country till they were obliged to fly to the strange one to escape the consequences of their misdeeds. I saw these men arrive in hordes and mingle with those whose motives were pure and good till they had outnumbered them and then thrust the good aside and made themselves tyrannical masters over the unhappy natives in the name of the Holy Church of Christ. Now, this Francesco just said this is this is the this is the trajectory of all institutions. Institutions come, 
They're usually good and with good people with you know good thoughts and good mo motivation behind them until other people like he's talking about that oh okay i can use this to make money i can use this to enslave other people take advantage of other people this is what happens when we live in a planet of atonement where we have more people who are not good versus good chico xavier said about 30 percent of people who die will go to heaven that means 70 percent of people will go in the lower zone or the dark abyss they're not the best character and personality someday they will be but right now they're not now this but we are going to a plan of regeneration but to really we're at the beginning but there are things going to have to happen on this earth to make people get themselves more spiritual and they're really not going to make that turn that corner till we get over 50 percent because here remember he said tell they outnumber them well we have to have the good the good and kind charitable and fraternal and honest people outnumber the not so honest people and then those good people will say no i'm sorry i know who you are not you need to change your attitude and your character or you're out right so this is how we're going to become a true plan regeneration is when we have more good souls on earth than ignorant ones. i don't want to say bad but ignorance <clears throat> i carry on and then i saw the inquisition brought to the unhappy land and established as the last link in the chain of slavery and oppression thus riveted round this unhappy people so it swept almost all of them from the face of the earth. And everywhere I beheld the wild thirst, the greed for gold that consumed, as with a ball of as with a fire of hell, all who sought that land. Blind were most of them to all of its beauties but its gold, deaf to all thought, but how they might enrich themselves with it. And in the madness of that time, and that awful craving for wealth was the city of hell the spiritual counterpart of the earthly city built, stone upon stone, particle by particle, forming itself, and the city of earth change of attractions, which had drawn down one by one each of its wicked inhabitants. For truly, the earthly lives are building for each man and woman in their spiritual habitations. Thus, all these monks and priests, all these fine ladies, all these soldiers and merchants, yea, and even these unhappy natives, have been drawn down to hell by the deeds of their earthly lives, by the passions and hatreds, the greed of gold, the bitter sense of wrongs unrequited, and the thirst for revenge with those deeds which those deeds had created. Very true. See, this is why the more you sell, the more you keep yourself above these passions, and the more you keep yourself the free of the thirst for revenge and and these primitive emotions and want to take advantage of other people the better off you are going to be there's going to be you know nothing better than you trying to forgive everyone and and your stress levels are going to go way down as jesus said forgive 70 times 70. jesus wants you to be happy wants you to forgive these things so carry on at the door of a large square building whose small grated windows looked like a prison, I stooped, arrested by the cries and shouts which came from it. Then, guided by the mysterious voice of my unseen guide, I entered and followed the sounds which soon came to a dungeon cell. 
Here I found a great number of spirits surrounding a man who was chained to the wall by an iron griddle round his waist. His wild, glaring eyes, disheveled hair, and tattered clothing suggested that he'd been there for many years, while the hollow, sunken cheeks and the bones sticking through his skin told that he was, to all appearance, dying of starvation. Yet I knew that here there was no death, no relief from such suffering. Exactly, you can't die. There's another story. When this man went down into hell, he was taken up on the stage. And he was actually cut into parts. And then they were done, they threw the parts into the cave. And he said, then he said, well, I woke up and I was reassembled. That's because it's, you know, it's all mental, right? They can't, you're immortal, you can't die. And as they cut him, there was no blood. So this is, this is not the nice area you want to be in. That's why any sacrifice you make on earth to become a better person, as what spirits tell us, you'll be rewarded a hundredfold in heaven. And you don't want the opposite. There's a lot of incentive. And that's how they work. You have, they have incentive for you. You have to motivate yourself to get that in, in that reward. And yes, it sounds like you're bribing a three-year-old or a four-year-old, but that kind of has to be done to a certain extent to get people to go, there's a better place. There's a wonderful place with wonderful people and you'll enjoy it. Why are you on earth being a not nice person? And when you pass over, you're gonna be with other not nice people. Is that what you want? And you really don't. Okay, yet I knew here there was no death, no such relief from suffering. Near him stood another man with folded arms and bowed head, whose wasted features and skeleton forms scarred with many wounds made him an even more pitiable object than the other, though he was free while the, others, the other was chained to the wall. Around both of them danced and yelled at other spirits, all wild and savage and degraded. Some of them were Indians, a few Spanish, and one or two looked, I thought, like Englishmen. Well, oh, going too far, what happened? All of them were at the same work, throwing sharp knives at the chain men who never, and that never seemed to hit him, shaking their fists at, in his face, cursing and reviling him, Yet, strange to say, never able to actually touch him. All the time he stood chained to the wall, unable to move or get away from them. And there stood the other man silently watching him. That's interesting. Why can't the knives hit him? Let's look at this. As I stood looking at the scene, I became conscious of the past history of those two men. I saw the one who was chained to the wall in a handsome house like a palace and knew he had been one of the judges sent out from Spain to preside over the so-called courts of justice which had but proved additional means for extorting money from the natives and oppressing all who sought to interfere with the rich and powerful. I saw the other man who had been a merchant living in a pretty villa with a beautiful, a very beautiful wife and one little child. This woman had attracted the notice of the judge who had conceived an unholy passion for her and on her persistently repulsing of all his advances, he made an excuse to have the husband arrested on suspicion by the inquisition and thrown into prison. Then he carried off the poor wife and so insulted her that she died and the poor little child was strangled by the order of the cruel judge. Meantime, 
the unfortunate husband lay in prison, ignorant of the fate of his wife and child, and of the charge under which he had been arrested, growing more and more exhausted from the scanty food and horrors of the dungeon, and more and more desperate from the suspense. At last he was brought before the Council of the Inquisition, charged with heretical practices and conspiracy against the crown, and on denial of these charges was tortured to make him confess and give up the names of certain friends who were accused of being his accomplices. As the poor man, bewildered and indignant, still protested his innocence, he was sent back to the dungeon and there slowly starved to death. The cruel judge, not daring to set him at liberty, well knowing that he would make the city ring with the story of his wrongs and of his wife's fate when he should learn it. And so this poor man had died, but he did not join his wife, who, poor injured soul, had passed at once with her little innocent child into the higher spheres. She was so good and pure and gentle that she had even forgiven her murderer, for such he was, though he had not intended to kill her, and between her and the husband she had so dearly loved, there was a wall created by his bitter revengeful feelings against the man who had destroyed them both. Now this is a, a great lesson. This poor guy who had this beautiful wife and child, if he had forgiven all, which I know, look, I know this is be hard to do, hard for anybody. But the more you understand spiritism, you can do it. And the more you can understand that the spirit world, God and Jesus, takes care of karma, you, it's easier for you to do that. I, I remember before I became a spiritist, I, I saw this, this father outside and the, um, the murder of his daughter was going to be uh, executed. And he says, oh, I, I forgive him. And I thought, I thought to myself, oh, I'd never forgive him. That guy is weak. That, that's what I thought. And that was wrong. That man, the father, had more love and more intelligence than I did at the time. Much spiritually superior. For he knew that things must have been arranged for God by God for a purpose. And that's what there is. Let me carry on. When this poor wrong husband died, his soul could not leave the earth. It was tied there by his hatred of the enemy and his thirst for revenge. His own wrongs he might have been have forgiven, but the fate of his wife and child had been too dreadful. He could not forgive that. Before even his love for his wife came this hate, a day and night his spirit clung fast to the judge, seeking for the chance of vengeance, and at last it came. Devils from hell, such as the one that once tempted me, clustered round the wrong spirit and taught it how through the hand of a mortal it could strike the assassin's dagger to the judge's heart. And there, when death severed the body and the spirit, he could drag that down with him to hell. So terrible had been this craving for revenge, nursed through the waiting years of solitude in prison and in the spirit land, that the poor wife had tried in vain, tried and tried in vain, to draw near her husband and soften his heart with better thoughts. Her gentle soul was shut out, shut out by the wall of evil drawn around this unhappy man. It also had no hope of ever seeing her again. He deemed that she had gone to heaven and was lost to him forevermore. So, I think I, I'll read this last paragraph and then we'll be done for it tonight. A Roman Catholic of the narrow view held nearly 200 years ago when this man had lived. He believed that being under the ban of priests and denied the administration of the church when he died was the reason he was of the eternally lost. Well, his wife and child must be with the angels of heaven. 
Is it wonderful then that all this poor spirit's thought should center in the desire for vengeance, and that he should plan only how to make his enemy suffer as he had been made to suffer? Thus, then it was he who inspired a man on earth to kill the judge. His hand guided the mortals with so unerring an aim that the judge fell pierced to his false cruel heart. The earthly body died, but an immortal soul lived and awakened to find itself in hell, chained to a dungeon wall as he had chained his victim and face to face with him at last. So I will end there for today. And I will just, I hope this is, helps everyone kind of understand the spirit world. This is kind of the underbelly of the spirit world. If you really want to start understanding more about spiritism, where we're guided and we're loved, is I would begin with uh, reading my book, Spiritism 101, The Third Revelation. You can get that on my website in PDF for free. So download it. Go to my website, nwspiritism.com. You'll find on the right-hand navigation a bar. I also have it in French, in PDF for free. Of course, if you want, you can get it on Kindle and paperback also and in an audible form. And then after that, I would I would recommend that you read the Spirits book. By reading Spiritism 101, you've got a pretty good understanding. And then you can read with more, I believe, it all depends on what you want, of course, with more uh, comprehension and understanding, the Spirits book, which was published in the 1850s, with those 1,019 questions. And then if you are more advanced and really want to understand the spirit realm, the physical realm, what is a spirit, how a spirit ascends, what you are physically, what does that mean to be in the physical form, how reincarnation and karma works, how our lives are guided, how old cultures and nations are guided, I would recommend you read my book, The Spirit Realm. Spiritism has revealed the reality of our existence. God bless.